is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning, everybody, and happy, happy Memorial Day. This is that type of day that you sit back and you reflect. Well, those of us that care reflect. Those of us that understand freedoms reflect. Those of us that understand what people have gone through in our lives so we can have the freedoms we have today certainly reflect. Wouldn't it be nice to see Brittany Griner thanking everybody publicly for the freedoms that she has today because... We fought for her to come back here. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice to just say, hey, stand up and let me lead you in the in national anthem. Everybody should be part of what we're doing today. Thank you, everyone that is here and those people that were here that fought for us to be where we are today. Thank you very much. This is the Money Matters Show and is brought to you by Greenberg Financial Group. Greenberg Financial Group is both a registered investment advisory and a broker-dealer. We are talking about different strategies, ideas, things that happen. Everything has some type of risk. We highly suggest you always understand the risks and the strategies and whatever products you're going to use and things like that. Understand your plan. Understand the things that you're going to do before you do it because everything has some type of risk. Everything has some type of risk. Well, the week uh, wasn't too bad for the NASDAQ. Uh, the Dow was down again this week for 1%. They're down 3% for the month, and now they're down for the year, the Dow. The S&P hung in there. It was up slightly at 0.3%, 0.9% for the month, and they're up 9% for the year. NASDAQ, though, was up 2.5%, month by 6 and the year by 24%. The Russell was down and the equal-weighted S&P, equal-weighted, was down 1.3%, and they're down now for the year. So what's the difference between the S&P and the equal-weighted S&P? The S&P 500 is, gives weight to the largest stocks, the highest capitalization stocks, while the equal-weighted, they all get equal weighting, which means then you go across the board and whatever – they're doing up and down, equal amounts of money in there. That's that's what's going to happen with those indexes. Um, and with the S&P 500, obviously, they're driven by the Apples of the world, the Microsofts of the world, the Metas of the world, the NVIDIAs, the NASDAQ stocks that also were up were driven by the same stocks. So we enter this week in a very confused market, and had some days down because of the debt ceiling. Had days up. You knew it would finish higher. <clears throat> Excuse me. As we move forward. Because they're going to come up with a, a deal. The debt ceiling is the level that Congress imposes on themselves that by law, money could, nothing, could, nothing could be paid higher than the debt ceiling. 
And in June, we got about $2 billion worth of debts we got to pay. But it would bring us higher than the debt ceiling if we don't manipulate some other things like they've already done. And that would create a problem. So if we default on paying, obviously, lots of jobs, millions of jobs would be lost. Our credit rating would go down. And we would no longer be king dollar. It's not going to happen. They're going to pay the bills. They have the last 70 plus times that this has happened. They've always figured out a way to do it. The big hang up this time, and I, and I am fully behind this, is in order to keep raising the debt ceiling, last time it happened was about $16 trillion. We're at $32 trillion. We got to stop spending. Before we know it, we'll be at 50, 60 trillion. So they, they're going to come into agreement to raise it for two more years. The problem is, is how they're going to stop spending. One of the things that is a hang up with the Democrats is the fact that the Republicans are putting on the table that there has to be work requirement, requirements for a lot of the benefit programs, the social programs, the ones that we're just giving money to for people that are not working because they're in the low-income area. And they need to go to work. If you're able-bodied without children, you need to work instead of getting a paycheck. You can be subsidized. I'm okay with that as long as you're working and doing something. But if you think you can just stay home, sit on the couch, get a check at my expense and your expense, that's wrong. And a few years ago, we changed that mindset, and in a very short two years, Biden's put that mindset right back in, using the pandemic as the springboard for telling people we're going to give you money. We need to work on our social programs. They are going to make us broke themselves. People live longer than when Social Security came out. People live longer because of the medical field's great, uh, uh, great knowledge. And what's happening is we're still working on the same numbers when we came out with Social Security and Medicare. And that's why we keep getting ourselves in trouble. Not to mention, population's living longer, and we're not filling in the population with more people or more children on the other side. It's out of balance. We can only keep raising the full retirement age for so long. I mean, what are you going to do? Make it 75 and 80 so nobody ever gets paid and we just keep paying the people that are that old? That's not going to work. What are we going to do? to really make this work so we can get off of Social Security. And that's probably somebody that's got to step over the 25, 30, 50-year plan to where we wean off over time how much Social Security people get. 50 years is fine. Make a 50-year plan. Make a 30-year plan. Do something for the people that are 20 years old that by the time they get there, they have little Social Security, but they have enough savings that they were mandated to put away. No one's telling the employees and the employees you don't have to put money away. 
I'm just saying let's stop having Congress go ahead and pay, borrow off it all the time and use it. We should still have money coming out of all our checks to go towards a retirement plan for you and invest that money for you. With, And I get it. There's got to be regulations on it. You can't take the money out just like you can't, can't touch Social Security, things like that, unless certain things happen, unless it's going to some positive things like a house or something. But you can't not touch it while you're able-bodied and working. And you invest it. The actuaries can come up with a plan on how it can drop off of how much you pay into the Social Security system to take care of the people that are basically 40 and above and then be able to start putting money into the account so that people that aren't even born now will never even have to pay for a Social Security system. They'll be able to automatically start putting money away for themselves. And you buy bonds. You buy government bonds and you buy indexes. And you have a certain percentage that you're allowed to do at whatever age you're at. Just like those target funds. We'll never have to worry about anybody borrowing borrowing from us for bonds. We'd be paying ourselves back. would be a much richer country. And interest rates would stay lower because we would continue to have to buy bonds every single week. Wow. There's a system that works. But no, don't want to use it, don't want to look at it. They want to keep just giving free money away. Well, that's not going to work. Our debt ceiling's too high. Our debt is too high. And we need to do something about it quicker than sooner, later. We need steep cuts. We need the politicians to stop using our money as their pocketbook to get votes. You want votes? Do a good job. Right now, we have to raise this debt ceiling. They should not get paid until that budget is balanced. They should be able to, every time we raise the debt ceiling, every time we can't raise the, uh, uh, come up with the money, the, the Congress, who we voted in, needs to not get paid because they're not doing their job. Take their paychecks away and tell them, okay, you come up with a plan that we don't go up above this. Where's the spending coming from? Where are the cuts coming from? Otherwise, you're not getting paid. We're not going to get to term limits because they would have to vote themselves out of the job and they're not going to do that. Unfortunately, it was never put in like the president and governors have term limits. That needed to be put in. But no one ever thought it was going to get to this type of scenario. Part of the thing they're going to agree with is giving the IRS money, the $80 billion that that uh, that uh, Biden wants for the IRS because they think that's going to be able to save him $200 billion a year in taxes. I would love to go ahead and ask Biden, why would you take that much money to get IRS agents to go ahead and go after people that you think are cheating when you could change the rules and the laws right now? You can get rid of carried interest trade. Get rid of the carried interest. So that everybody has to get paid like a W-2 and pay regular rates on it rather than getting that break. You always talk about the rich not paying their fair share, but you don't want to do anything to change the legal way they do it. I understand it would hurt real estate a little bit. I get that. Come up with a different way to help real estate. Hedge funds, they're just like stock traders. Why they get that carried interest, I don't know. 
That means they can make $100 million and pay long-term capital gains when they actually take the money out. It doesn't make sense. Our politicians, our Congress, our White House, our president, they can go ahead and change the laws, the rules. Stop using lip service. Over 50% of people don't even pay taxes. That's a crime in itself. That's not fair. Don't listen to the lobbyists. Go to that flat tax, and it can be tiered. It can be tiered under under 50, over 150, over 250, over 500. I don't care. Tier it. And then you can have it from 5% to 15%. Everyone thinks a flat tax has to be right across the board. I don't have a problem with tiering it. That way the people at the lowest player will pay less of a, a, a progressive tax, but at least they pay something, something. Yeah, get rid of a lot of deductions, but guess what? It will bring in more money, and it won't be, and people will put more money in their pockets. If someone's paying fifteen percent on a million dollars, it's going to save them a lot of money. But then you're going to get everyone paying that and not being able to make a million dollars and showing zero. That's what they're all worried about. The people making all this money that shows zero on their taxes. So put in a progr- uh, put in a flat tax. And don't listen to the lobbyists. Don't listen to everybody else. Accountants, lawyers, they're still going to have jobs. They'll become creative. Hey, we both know with this all this uh, AI stuff, you're probably, not, uh, nine, uh, probably 80% of the people aren't even going to need accountants anyway. They're going to have to go ahead and remake themselves. But you always got bookkeeping. You still got to enter the stuff. You still got to do things. Corporations are always going to need to have audits, financial statements. But, you know, just doing the simple accounting, it's going to be taken over. They're already trying it. So those things are going to happen. Stop looking for cheaters and come up with something that's positive. Saying all these people are cheating, fix it yourselves. You can fix it so easily by changing the tax laws. So then we had the Federal Reserve. What are they going to do? All right, they basically, as you know, kind of went more to a database scenario here. Okay, so which means if the data is showing that they have to raise rates, they'll do it. If not, they won't do it. Inflation from month to month, year to year, is kind of going in the right direction. The PCE number was at 4.2%, but they were expecting it to, uh, it, was, uh, it was higher than they expected by 1%. I think they were looking for 42 and it came in at 4.3, which means inflation is hotter than they want it to be. Jobless claims rose less than they want them to raise. They want them to lose jobs. That's the weird part about all this thing. They want them to lose jobs. But then on the other hand, we just want to pay them all for not working. 
come up with a plan. We don't need to fall into recession if they come up with a plan, a real plan, one that makes sense. I sit back lightly and think that maybe they don't even get it. I mean, if you think about it, you're not dealing with business people. You're dealing with attorneys, lawyers, smart people in book form. Lawyers that interpret and manipulate to be able to get what they want on their side. You're dealing with lobbyists and you're dealing with donators. That's what we're dealing with. We listen to the politicians spurt out a whole bunch of information all the time to get their constituents to go ahead and vote for them. And very rarely could it ever go through. I cannot believe there's one person around that wants to see taxes rise, especially in an inflationary time period that everything's costing more. But that's all this White House talks about, taxing, 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 taxing. Obviously, our gas prices are through the roof here. Refineries have troubles, they say. Our pipeline. Different ways of what's going on, and there's another refinery I understand that's pretty much uh, going in and then getting an overhaul. Those are the two reasons our gas prices are higher than they need to be. And that information came from a client of ours, which we appreciate. We need to get prices down. It is killing the lower and middle class people, and it's start, starting to affect those at the upper, upper uh, levels, too. Pulling back. Instead of two vacations, they go on one vacation. Instead of getting a hundred and some thousand dollar car, they get a seventy, eighty thousand dollar car. Housing prices, interest rates higher. It starts to feel it all the way across the board. And then you know the the, the markets ran up. They got up to over forty two hundred this week, and that's great. But why? Because they think they're going to make a deal, and, uh, and we're not going to not pay our, our bills. Okay, but is that a reason to pump all this money in? And if you look again, it was put into the technology stocks that are involved in AI, artificial intelligence, because the cross-the-board S&P 500, equal-weighted, was down 1.3%. So the majority of stocks were down for the week, except the artificial intelligence stocks. Now, here's the warning I'm going to give to you. You're going to see every newsletter. You're going to see people calling you. Everyone's going to be telling you they got the next AI stock that's cheap and it's going to go through the roof. Be careful. AI just came onto the scene. They've been working on it for a while. But does that mean stocks should go up 25, 50, 100%? without the earnings from it? No. This reminds me of a few years ago with the marijuana stocks. They went nuts on no earnings because they were going to get legalized in some of the states. Well, now we have too much supply, and it's an ongoing supply because everyone got into the growing business. 
It's very difficult to make the money, and all those stocks crashed and burned. The one stock in the artificial intelligence that probably has legs, and that's why everything went up this week, was NVIDIA. But if you remember correctly, NVIDIA was here a few years ago and fell over a two-year period of time into October where it was down about 100, 110, and nobody wanted it. But they have a chip that costs $10,000, and everyone that wants to get into AI right now has to buy that chip. Because you, if you want to see if you have something for this artificial intelligence, you need this chip to find out whether you're making money or not. NVIDIA's going to make the money. But is it overvalued now? It's a trillion-dollar company almost. All these things are happening. You and I both know when these stocks run up, they can keep going for a while. But then what happens? At some time in the future, somebody else, could be AMD is what I'm hearing, will have a chip that will be able to either be equal or surpass the NVIDIA chip. Somebody will come up with something, even if it's equal but cheaper, then guess what? People will also then stop buying from AMD. But right now, it probably has a ways to go. Who knows? I don't know. The analysts keep raising the rates, uh, raising the price target. Okay? Because the valuation is there for the f near future. But remember, Tesla kept running and running and running also for a while until it didn't. But NVIDIA, Microsoft, all these stocks ran way high and got crushed last year. AI is the, is the, is the big thing that everyone talks about. I'm going to just tell you, be careful of the ancillary people that are selling you, trying to talk to you, and going to the, getting into the next NVIDIA or the next Microsoft or the next Apple or the next Meta. Hey, Meta was down under 100 not even nine months ago. Now, it's a 250, 260. Be careful. If you have too much in one, it's okay to pair back a little bit. If your goal is not to have more than 3 or 5% in any one position, and you're at 8 or 10, maybe you bring it back 2% or 3%. You're still higher than you want, but it's still funny that it's there. If you don't know what, what to do or how to look at it, or is it too much or not too much, let us know. Remember, risk is on both sides. Risk is not just on the downside. It's also on the upside. NVIDIA, Microsoft, Meta, those are the three stocks. If you're trying to play the AI, you look for opportunities when they give them to you. But NVIDIA is the one with the big chip right now. And it's like a pharmaceutical company that comes out with a drug. They're charging you way too much because of all the technology costs that they put into it to make up the difference until they have to start lowering the price. That's what NVIDIA is doing. They have the demand through the roof. They, they, they got to get the supply. And guess what? They can charge for it now because everybody that needs it is paying for it. There will be others. But what I'm telling you and warning you is these other companies that don't have a $10,000 chip, that are part of the AI, that are the emerging companies of it, none of us know which ones are going to be great or not. If you're going to do something like that, look for a ETF that has all these small AI companies in it that might benefit from you. But they don't have earnings. Look for the earnings. Even the video is 
way overvalued when you look at their PE of 70, 80, probably up to 90 now as they keep, the stock keeps rising. Keep to your core ideas of how to invest. And every once in a while, you get lucky if you have some of these other stocks. Most people over the age of 60 have these in the indexes, ETFs, but that doesn't mean they have them as individual stocks because they are too risky. Everyone forgets NVIDIA dropped 250 points, 250 points, and people bailed because they couldn't take it, and now it comes back like this. Artificial intelligence still has years and years to go. Stay in the big ones that have other businesses that can handle the ups and downs of, of what's going to happen. So the Fed is not going to raise rates, uh, uh, lower rates this year, and we're going to see if they raise them. you got to watch out for the banks if they do. We'll be back with the rest of the show. It's going to be a little different because it's Memorial Day weekend. This is the, the uh, a live monologue, but the rest of it is going to be some of the TV shows we do, and uh, the, there's three different ones going to come on. Have a great weekend. Hope you're having a great weekend, and hope it continues. This is Dean Greenberg. This is the Money Matters Show. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Money Matters. I'm Sarah Peterson here with Dean and Dylan Greenberg. I get the whole dynamic duo today, so exciting, of Greenberg Financial Group. How are you gentlemen doing today? Doing well. How are you doing? Doing great. I get Every two week Greenbergs I get to see today. you. Every week I get to see you. This is nice. I know. Can I handle two of you? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm a little quieter than him. <laughs> it's a big job today. No, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk about financial planning. I want to go back to the basics because we talk every show about yeah. creating a plan and what is that. But I want to talk about the whole process of the financial planning and how it's different when we're approaching retirement. Yeah, when you're approaching retirement, it takes into account everything. So you're still working. you got your income. You have your income. And if you're married, your spouse's income. We take that into account first. That's the first step is that. And then we see what that is. We kind of take into their expenses. And then say if they're in their 60s or in their 50s, like a couple years out, you can estimate your Social Security a lot more than if you're in your 40s or 30s. So we take into the accounts the Social Security estimation. And then we can also take that and go in another direction of the whole Social Security optimization and all of that. But to start, we go put that in. And then we go into the next step, which is goals. What are your goals and what are your concerns? Everybody's goal is don't run out of money. That, that's just hands down the first goal. But it's also, like we were talking about in the break, and we were talking about how is somebody you're going to have a wedding to pay for, you're going to have maybe kids' colleges that you want to pay for. That all goes into the plan, too, and those are a lot of goals. Home improvements, a major purchase, maybe you want to buy a boat, maybe you want to travel a ton during retirement because you worked your whole life, you only did one As vacation. you're talking, I'm checking boxes. <laughs> I'm like, yep, want to do that. And that, that's kind of the first thing we do after we get the numbers of your income and a little bit of the investment assets. We do that because we want to see, are you able to fund those goals that you have? And we put them into different ones where it's needs, wants, and wishes. So obviously the needs are the retirement income and the health insurance. Those are the two big ones. Mm -hmm. And then the wants tend to be a want, maybe a new car, a new house or house improvements, and then traveling. And then if they do have younger kids, if they had kids later in life, then they're going to have college expenses or a wedding payment or something like that. And then the wishes are, do I want a yacht? Do I want a boat? Something like that. Or do I want a second home? And those become like the more extravagant ones. If you can have this, if you can have your wants and your needs met, then we start looking into that to be more of a reality. But it seems like in order for those things to happen, the earlier you start planning, the more likely that you'll be able to realize those goals. Without a doubt. It's 
always that's what we harp on too. It's never too early to start because I mean a lot of people in their 20s think it's too early. They'll deal with it in their 30s. But then everybody, everybody I've talked to that's in their 30s when it comes to retirement planning says they wish they started in their 20s because then it's just it's the power of compounding. And they didn't think about it in their 20s. They're living paycheck to paycheck saying, I'll figure it out in 10 years when it matters. And so many of these kids in their 20s are really, I call them kids. I just totally aged myself. But they're really saddled with a lot of school debt. Um, and I'm actually shocked by, I mean, these kids are getting excellent jobs out of school. They're doing really well for themselves, paying $150,000 $100, in, in school debt. That's a big burden. It is. And... We take into account, when we talk to people more in their 30s and 40s, they still have some debt. Like we've yeah. talked to doctors who are still in debt from med school. For sure. So we take that into account. But if you're approaching 60s, usually they don't have yeah. too much uh, school debt still. But we do take that into account because there is. You have to figure out a way to pay it off. And we try and find a plan to successfully pay it, pay it off without killing yourself in the meantime of living on the streets or something so you pay it off as quick as possible. There's always a plan to figure out how to pay it off in a timely manner but doing it smart. How do you guys work together as a team? I mean, I love the fact that you kind of, we always say you're like a one-stop shop. You have all these different areas that you work within, but how do you work together as a team? What, the father-son dynamic? You yes. Know? It took us a while. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I talked to friends of mine that had their, uh, their sons working for them and the problems they had, but the one thing that we made sure of and we promised each other that no matter what happens, we'll sit down and we'll talk it out and we'll get past it. Because, but lately, the last couple of years, we've had no problem. The first two or three, yes, because part of it was he was looking at, you know, I can't talk to him that way or he can't talk to me that way because there's other people there. But I love the fact that, you know, as we're talking about, I'm looking at you, you're young. Uh, you probably have a different perspective on retirement than you do and that I do. I mean, we're all different phases of our lives. It's nice to have, you know, somebody who may have kids to come in and have a discussion. You know, we talked about husbands and wives coming into plan, but bringing in your kids, bringing in your whole family and have everybody kind of on that same financial page. We do, and actually, it's becoming a lot more common theme of having clients that just retired. They either bring their grandkids or their kids in to start their Roth IRA to learn about the markets, because a lot of them, they're either, we've had one bring her grand, uh, grandson in, he was 16. Yeah. He just started being interested because she was starting to be interested in it. And she was like, I want him to start early so he's not in my position at 66. 100%. So then we opened a Roth IRA for him, and he's just contributing. You contribute whatever you can. You know, you start working, it's $20, $50 a month, but it builds the habit of saving. And that's what we really try and get through to people in their 20s, even kids in below 20, is just build the habit. Because then it becomes a habit of every month I'll take out $100. And it just is what it is. It's kind of like the 401k, but you're doing it on your own, and you're making it a point to do it for yourself. So it's never too young or too old to really start. Because we talked about on the last show, if I'm 64 and a half and I want to retire at 65, maybe, unfortunately, I haven't had these types of conversations before, but I got to start now. Yeah. Right. And you, you'll come in and you'll figure out if you can retire now or not. Because if you try now, you know you're not going to get Social Security yet. And what other income do you have? A lot of people have uh, investment in, uh, real estate income coming to them. Uh, and they want to wind that down. It's going to take three to five years to wind down. There's other things that happen. And that's... that's the whole thing. But the way it works here at, at Greenberg Financial Group, you know, our model's kind of changed. What we've done is we've gone into being financial planners, but the thing that set us aside, we also manage the money. So everything is honestly tailored to what your needs, risks, tolerances are, and that's how we build that portfolio. So when people call us and want to sit down and do a plan, and we get a bunch of them every week, 
they sit down with Dylan, they sit down with Todd, they sit together and, and they go through it. I, we sit down, I meet with them, Dave meets with them, and they get to know us as a team. Everything I do is a team. And that probably goes back to my coaching, okay? I've coached for 20 years. And I believe in the team uh, aspect. I believe that's together you're stronger than individual. Um, and it's best for the client as working as a team. So they do that, then we get the process, and we sit down and we go through everything. But, you know, I got probably 10, 15 years that I want to keep working hard. And after that, I want to turn it over to someone. So you have to have a succession plan. But the succession plan can't just be, like you say, I'm 64, that tomorrow I want to get out. A succession plan is teaching, mentoring, and as I have to change with them, they learn from us. As a good saver, you've been putting away money during your working years. Studies find that the biggest fear of retirees is running out of money. Market volatility isn't just a downward movement of stock prices, it's the size and frequency of change. The more dramatic the ups and downs, the higher the volatility. This can put savers who are newly retired or a few years away from being retired at greater risk. Today's generation of retirees is not receiving traditional pensions as our parents or grandparents did. Instead, we have retirement accounts such as 401ks or 403bs. These accounts typically expose your money to market risk. The last thing you want right before retirement is to lose a portion of the money you need for income. But how do you turn these accounts into a retirement income? Is it safe to keep all your retirement money sitting in the stock market? The last thing you want is to lose a portion of the money you need for income due to market loss. By working with a financial professional, you can learn how to turn a portion of your savings into an income stream for life and income for the life of your spouse if you're married. We all have moments in our lives when we wish we had taken action sooner. Don't let procrastination rain on your retirement parade. Act now before it's too late. Please call our office to set up your no-cost, no-obligation retirement income review today. Hello and welcome back to Money Matters. I'm Sarah Peterson here with Dean and Dylan Greenberg of Greenberg Financial Group. And we were talking before a break about the whole process of financial planning and how do we know if we're ready to retire? Exactly, yeah. And the thing with that is what we're, he was kind of, uh, my dad was kind of mentioning was it brings in your expenses, it brings in your Social Security, your Medicare expenses, your, say you have rental income. It brings all of that under one roof. And at the end, what we do is look at a Monte Carlo simulation, which is a simulation of a thousand different scenarios. So say you have a million dollars in investable assets and every, your rental income, all of that. And it takes into a thousand different scenarios and outcomes of your financial plan into your retirement. And it shows, will it be successful? Will it not? And it just does it immediately. And then what it shows you is the confidence level that your plan will be successful. So it goes from 0% all the way up to 99%. Okay. And if you're above, roughly, we like to be above 80%. And if you're above 80%, you're more than likely your plan will be successful during retirement. And that's what we really like to look at. And that's after implementing everything, your goals, the way we were talking about with the weddings, the goals, your expenses, your Medicare expenses, your Social Security. And then you take into your investable assets, your IRA, 401k, any pensions you might have, especially if you're a federal employee, they have really nice pensions. You take that into account. And if you're, your plan is going to be successful too if you live within your means. Because if you have pensions, you're going to live... You're going to eat your pension for the rest of your life. And if you live under that, your plan will be successful in that sense, too. Well, you mentioned something, because there's all different types of people that retire. Federal and government employees have a whole different type of retirement than the person that's been working for a corporation, and all they have is their 401k plan. Or what about the people who are small business owners who don't necessarily have... We work forever. 
Ai, velho. I mean, well, there's a special, there's also there's special retirement vehicles for them as well, like a SEP IRA or a simple IRA, different things like that. It's all specialized. But when I hear you talking about it out loud, it really just reminds me that if you don't have a financial advisor, like putting all these pieces of this puzzle together, this is extremely overwhelming. It's not stuff that we're all sitting around doing. I mean, we have piles of statements, but we're not sitting there and figuring out where, and mm -hmm. so much of it is timing too. It's not just how much money do you have, but it's when and how you're taking it out. And, what and you're taxes, people are so concerned about taxes, okay? Because we all know to get out of this mess that we're in of this high debt, they're going to have to raise taxes at some time. So we want to prepare before they raise taxes that people are in stuff that they could tax defer. All right, that's a good place to stop. We're going to take a quick commercial break. That phone number is 844-544-4909. We're going to scan that QR code that's on the screen. We will come back and talk more about how to plan properly for your retirement. So stay with us. You know, the Roth conversions, if they make sense, we've been doing a lot of them, you know? So, yeah, you pay some taxes now in order to grow that money. So down the road, if they, if they, when they raise the taxes, you're not going to be paying the higher tax bracket, you know? So that takes it into consideration by doing the plan. Where's your tax bracket? Social Security, Medicare, that all gets affected by what you're doing, and the plan will go ahead and make sure that taxes are considered in every move we make. And exactly, going back to your Roth conversion, we were talking about how we've been, those have been very popular lately. But what we do work with, we work with CPAs to make sure if you say your Roth conversion amount, we don't want you to go to the next threshold of taxes. So we make sure we work with the CPA to get your number so you can convert as much as possible without putting you into the next tax bracket. You know, this is why I'm going to say pick up that phone and call right now because even I, who think I have a grasp over all these things, I'm realizing. There's just so many ways you can maximize what you have. I'm not just saying mistakes you can make. I'm, there's so many things you guys could do that I'm not going to be able to understand. And that's why it's so important that this plan is individualized and personalized to me. My needs are going to be different than yours and yours. And this is not something that's cookie cutter for everyone. Well, that goes back to what we were saying before. Sometimes they're both involved, both, both spouses. Sometimes it's the husband. Sometimes it's the wife. Okay. It doesn't matter who it is. Somebody has to take charge. Mm -hmm. In your situation, your husband takes charge. You spend, he budgets <laughs> and tells you how much you can spend. I take offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? A budget's so important for all of us because otherwise, you said you're, you're shooting in the breeze, but if somebody says you have $10 and you can spend it, it's a lot easier to do it that way. Than right. I can't stand it when someone backs me into a corner and says, well, what's your budget? I'm like, well, what's the reasonable amount to spend on Not everyone, everybody's mind is not made for the financial world, all right? I know my wife, she's great, but the financial world, no. Well, she's an artist. About to say, you might she's get an artist. She, she, she's an author. She writes. She, wrote, she, she you know, uh, published a novel and, and stuff. Those are cool things. I can't do that. But she can. But that's why we match together. Does, both of you don't have to be there. You just have to be on the same page whenever the plan could start. Well, and, but this brings me back to another conversation which we were having, you know, earlier, which is so much of the things that, you know, when you ask me what I want to do when I retire, I'm going to give you a list of things. None of those things are probably going to incorporate life, you know, 
unexpected life things that might be wonderful things also. But, you know, I've got three daughters. One of them is going to probably get married, or at least one of them. And I would love to be able to provide, you know, a nice wedding. Those are things that aren't necessarily in my retirement plan, but they're life, you know, and, and that's, to me, what I work so hard for, to be able to provide those things. You're going to have three daughters get married one day. I love your positivity. I'm just saying everyone has a different path. <laughs> well, and going back to the financial planning tool that we use, we can do it in real time in the different scenarios. It's called the play zone. Oh, no. So once we complete it, complete the plan and everything, we can go into the play zone and say, okay, one daughter gets married. What does that look like? What is, how does that affect your plan? Or two daughters or three daughters? You can look at it real time so you kind of have it at least in your head. And then at the end, we send all those scenarios to you so you can read over them again. Because it's, it's a lot of pages. It's a bit, we give you the time to read it over and have any questions you have and anything like that. And like, like we said, it's complimentary, right? But we send it to you. So it really is complimentary. You have it on your computer in PDF. You can do whatever you want with it. It's not like we're holding it and say, well, we'll only give it to you if you do business with us. We don't do that. And then all they need to do to prepare is you give them a list of what they need. It's not a difficult preparation process. Bring those things in, and then you take it from there. Well, yep. we, we can't say it's not difficult. They don't have all that information, and they have to start looking for it. But most people have their financial information pretty much at their fingertips. And then when we get talking, we bring it in, and we start the plan from scratch so we can start the discussion and have the ball roll wherever it goes. So if they don't have, say, they didn't have their exact expenses, we, use, we usually use the higher of the higher end because if they're all right with that then they'll be all right but here's the thing we don't stop at the end of the plan we don't then sell them stuff we still become their financial advisor now that turns into also money manager so we become their portfolio money manager so it all fits together we don't say okay here we sent this to somebody in wherever kansas and they're there and, and you're in 28 etfs no we take care of that so that way that whole plan comes together and every time we sit down for review, everything is together with us and whatever else we need to do, we change. And as we've talked about before, the plan is ever-changing, it's fluid because our lives are constantly changing. So this is not a set it and forget it type of situation. This is something that we update on a consistent basis, particularly when you have you know, major life changes, which we all do, good and bad. That phone number is 844-544-4909. We also have the nifty little QR code at the bottom of the screen to scan. Uh, stay with us, because when we come back, we're going to talk more about your road to retirement and how to get there on the best path. When was the last time you saw your financial professional? Are you getting the most out of the strategy that was created for you? Although you've done a great job finding someone to help plan for your future, are you 100% sure that you were given the right strategy? We can help answer these questions and more with a complimentary second opinion evaluation. We will take a look at what you have in place and then help determine if you're well positioned to get the most out of your future retirement income. In the event that it is not, we can help by making suggestions and showing you how to get on the right path. You wouldn't get just one opinion when it comes to a major health decision. So why would you treat your most important financial decision with such disregard? Call today for your no-cost, no-obligation second opinion evaluation to see if you're getting the most out of your retirement income plan. 
Hello and welcome back to Money Matters. I'm Sarah Peterson here with Dean and Dylan Greenberg of Greenberg Financial Group. And we were talking before break about, um, you know, how do you know, how do you get there to plan your retirement? But now let's talk about risk. Risk is a fear index. When we did this two years ago, the risk tolerance numbers were so much higher than they are today. And clients eventually look at it and go, well, I'm not, I'm not that scared. I see my risk tolerance down here, but that's probably because I'm more scared right now than I was two years ago, mm -hmm. okay? And we understand that, and that's why we talk to people, because when their risk tolerance is going down, that means the market's down, and that's when we tell them eventually we're going to go. We're going to have to go ahead when this market gets to a point we think it's going to rise because now we have more liquidity. The Fed's helping out. Then we go ahead and go the other way, and we invest more. Yeah, and it's the idea. Two years ago, when the market was rallying, everybody's risk score was a lot higher than last year, and we're trying to tell them. That, I mean, because investing is all a lot about emotions, and everybody last year was saying, "I'm scared now. I don't know what to do. Everything's going down. Bond market's going down. Stock market's going down." My risk tolerance is now a 25 rather than the 75 it was in 2021. And so what we try and do is build, at least build the portfolio in the sense of, I mean, it's a fluid portfolio, but we don't try and make rash decisions. Because if we made rash decisions in, say, March of 2020 and just sold everything because the market went down 35% in one month but never bought back in, you would have lost out on all the gains coming back and then some. So you try and we're trying to mitigate their emotions in a sense of when they invest with us. The tactic is when the markets went down, Get rid of all your junk, buy into your quality, buy into indexes. The, the, the big stocks are going to come back first. Get, redo your in, fixed income, which we did prior to the market falling, and, and reduce your risk. And, and then when it starts coming, get back on board. But that's what you cannot do if you're not managing in-house. And when people call us and say, just go to care, we can at least deal with it rather than having to just call someone and say, sell everything. Because they're not going to mitigate risk someone else. They either sell it or they invest. That's the way it is. And a lot of people last year, a lot of advisors, they came to us to do a second review, which we do, like the complimentary second review. Mm -hmm. We do that, and they're coming to us saying their advisors, wherever they were, just telling them to hold off, just hold off, just turn your TV off. They weren't being proactive in how can we at least try and mitigate anything? How can we stop the losses? And is there any possibility? They weren't even worried about it because they're not actually managing the money. Mm -hmm. So, we, and that's what we like to do. We like to have the accountability. I mean, sometimes it doesn't go our way, but we have the accountability and we understand why. So when the client calls, we don't have to call up another guy mm -hmm. to ask why this happened. They get answers right away. Well, and to me, uh, you know, if I were giving you a call, that would give me so much peace of mind knowing that you understand me, my situation, and all the backstory when dealing with my money instead of some guy that just sees me as a name on a page. Exactly. Yeah, it's more relationship building, and then we also manage the money. The whole thing is about relationships. Trust, relationships, accountability, discipline, you know, getting to know people. Um, everyone's different. They're definitely, definitely different. We're not institutions. We have different things come up. And the one thing I always tell people, two years into this, everyone's two years more into the retirement. That tells you they have less time for it to, to come down. You know what I mean? So you got to protect until things start going the other way. And there's definitely ways to protect, and that's what we do as well. We have the ability to kind of put a little hedge on for the downside, which I'm sure you've talked about right. multiple times because you've been harping on it for the last year and a half because we don't think the, down, the market's bottomed out yet. So we want to have at least some protection on the downside. 
Well, and you were talking about it in another show, but I think it's also important to look at things. How can we turn, you know, lemons into lemonade? When the market goes down, right. their stocks are on sale. So, there's you know, always, there's always, a good... Always, always opportunities. Yeah. I mean, at the end of last year, the best stocks in the world, Apple and Microsoft, was so, was so far down, you're able to buy them. NVIDIA, which was... Four hundred or five hundred dollars was down to one hundred and ten. They are involved. If you know what's happening and stuff, that's how you get involved and you do it. And and you know you try to you try to get yourself involved with the quality when things are bad, things you use, things you know are going to have to be there. How's the world going to work without Microsoft? Okay, the world could probably work without Apple because it's another one, but they're not going to because who's going to give up their Apple phones yeah. right now? And everything we're talking about right now with these specialized stocks and everything. It starts with the financial plan, right. because once you get the financial plan completed and you started investing and we have your initial portfolio created, this is when we start looking at the stocks that you can handle. Can you handle the Apple? And you Amazon? touched briefly on tax planning, but I want to just reiterate that it's so different than tax preparation. I think a lot of people don't plan for right. their taxes. Mm -hmm. They prepare, which is like that's a happen. That's so, history last year. Yep. Right. So if you actually look at it, what we do, we plan, we design, we build and we protect. If you look at it that way, that's how we do the whole thing. Hello and welcome to Money Matters. I'm Sarah Peterson here with Dean and Dylan Greenberg of Greenberg Financial Group. I get both of you today. It's a beautiful day. And we get you in red today. Well, thank you. I'm feeling yeah, it. Yeah, you like that red, don't Red's you? Red's my color. Red makes me happy, so I'm just going to go with it today. When we're talking about money, which is green. Right, you don't want to be red in money. <laughs> we definitely don't want to be red. Red's good for love. I want everybody who's sitting on the other side of this television to really get to know both of you. And, you know, let's talk about what got you, you mean started. You my brother? Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go with it. You have your son working with you. It's a family business. A lot of people would love to have their kids working with them. So you're, you're very blessed in that way. Um, but I would love people to understand really what makes you guys tick. Why'd you get in this industry? Well, I got in a long time ago. Um, Not that long. It was a long time ago. Got out of college, started working for Ford Motor Company. And I realized there was no way that I was going to work for a corporation. I realized that was different. You got to know who you are. And I wasn't one of those type of people that could sit around for 30 some odd years and just gradually get up your paycheck and do all this other stuff. And you had to, you had to get in line and you couldn't think outside the box and you couldn't do things you wanted. So if I knew that, that was important. And one of the reasons I knew that is once I got my MBA, I was going ahead and uh, interviewing. And I interviewed for a bank, European American Bank in, in Long Island. And I went through all the interviews, and the last guy I met said, Dean, I'm going to do you a favor. I go, what? I thought he was going to offer me the job. <laughs> he says, I'm not offering you the job. And it's not because you don't have the energy, it's not because you don't have the intelligence, and it's not because you can't do the job. He said, you would hate this job. You would hate being a banker. You need to get into the investment world. He says, so where, you know, it's unlimited to what you can do and the, and the paths that you can take. Bankers, we're structured. We, we, we have to fit into a little box and, and stuff. You wouldn't fit here. And I'm letting you know that now as an older person to a younger person, even though you got everything that it takes, you need to move on and, 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 and find something else. And of course, I was depressed, you know. So, you know, so I ended up with Ford Motor Credit Company. And then I realized he was so right. 
So I went back again and got finance, an MBA in finance and investments and all this stuff, and I started to look uh, around to what to do. But I found over the years what it is. It's about I love helping people. I love teaching, educating, the things. I am not afraid to simplify things for people to know. And doing the radio show for 33 years has allowed me to think on a different level to explain. If they understand what you're talking about, they trust you. People in my business for many, many years always wanted to talk above people, mm -hmm. okay, and use big words and terminologies that they know to make them feel good, but the clients didn't know. And I want to, as you say, you keep calling me a financial therapist, too. I want to know who they are, what they tick. That's always been the way I've been. And I kind of built my, my firm on people that are like that. I want them to talk to them, find out how are their kids, what have they done, what do they do in life, what made them come to Tucson, you know, what do they want to do in life, you know, um, how do they want to retire, what's their vision. Deeper thoughts and deeper questions than just, okay, here it is, you go do whatever you want. Because if we don't know that, it's crazy. And our, our clients, even when they move, like I had one come in yesterday, he's, got, he's moving back to, uh, I think it's North Carolina, to be with his, uh, more of his family. And so, oh, no, F Florida, I'm sorry, down to Florida. And he came in to say goodbye to us and hugged us and stuff for all the years that we've been together. And that is why I do this, to give back, to educate, to put people in positions that they can feel comfortable in life. And I'm trying to pass that on to obviously Dylan and the rest of us. And we work as a team. I've been coaching for 20 years, high school lacrosse and football. And I just believe in a team. It, it makes it more of a family. It makes it more realistic. It's not cutthroat between each other. We work, we win, we lose, we have adversity. Everything that happens, we do as a team. And it's, and it's been, a, for me, it's been why I love doing what I'm doing. I'm never going to retire. Do you think, uh, Dylan, do you think that these conversations that were had around the dinner table when you were a kid affected you in this way? Oh, 100%. I grew up around it. I mean, he's had the business since before I was born. So I was kind of around it the whole time. And growing up, I would watch the stock market in the morning with him before school. And I kind of just had a fascination with the markets my whole life. I didn't necessarily want to come back to Tucson and work with him right away. Because going into college, I went to college for finance and everything. I, I was more one-track mind in the sense of I knew I wanted to do something in finance. I didn't know exactly what, but I wanted to do something. And I, go, I went to school, and I got my master's in finance and everything like that. And I was getting ready to go try and work in Wall Street. I wanted to go be a trader. And, or somewhere, New Jersey, Wall Street, Chicago, anywhere big city. And I was like, I don't want to go back to Tucson just yet. I was like, I'm young, I want to go be a trader. But then I went, I got a, uh, I did an internship over at RBC up in Minneapolis, and then that was for the summer. And in the meantime, I had to go, once that lease was up, I had to go find somewhere to live. So I moved back to Tucson, which I thought was for the meantime. And during that time, I started working at Greenberg Financial Group, because I had to do something. And I was just sitting there, I was kind of, and then I started being around the whole group and everything like that. And I realized what they were doing, and I was saying, maybe I could get into this right away. I didn't think I could. I thought I needed to be a little older to be an advisor. I thought I needed to have a little more experience. And that's kind of why I wanted to go be a trader or something like that. But I realized if I just dive right into it right away, I get so much more experience younger, and I enjoy doing it. And I realized that they help so many people, and they build the relationships. And that's what I've always loved to do my whole life is just help people. I like to build relationships. I like to meet new people. I like to learn about their story and everything. And this job just lets me do it every day. We're mentoring the younger people. So in 10 years, they're going to have all our knowledge. And then they'll be able to take it and run with it. So it's a real legacy that we're trying to build. I could have sold my company. Trust me. I could sell it. I don't want to sell it. Selling it is not, it's about me. 
building it, teaching, educating them to educate others and let them take it and run with it. That's about what I've always been about. It, I don't know. I just that's the way I grew up. Help out others. Uh, be don't be selfish. You know. I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not strong-minded and I like things a certain way, but to be successful, I've had to I've had to open up and do stuff. But when we come back after this, I do want to talk about the dynamics between a father-son working together because we made a, we made a promise to each other that we'll always talk it out. But there were certain things that I've learned from him that I want to share in case people are thinking about doing this as they as they uh, move on with their businesses. Absolutely, and I want to, when we get back, we'll talk about ultimately what this all creates, which is this beautiful financial plan. We're gonna talk about it later. We can digress all day long. That phone number is 844-544-4909. Don't leave us, we have so much to talk about on your road to retirement, so we'll see you in a few. As a good saver, you've been putting away money during your working years. Studies find that the biggest fear of retirees is running out of money. Market volatility isn't just a downward movement of stock prices, it's the size and frequency of change. The more dramatic the ups and downs, the higher the volatility. This can put savers who are newly retired or a few years away from being retired at greater risk. Today's generation of retirees is not receiving traditional pensions as our parents or grandparents did. Instead, we have retirement accounts such as 401ks or 403bs. These accounts typically expose your money to market risk. The last thing you want right before retirement is to lose a portion of the money you need for income. But how do you turn these accounts into a retirement income? Is it safe to keep all your retirement money sitting in the stock market? The last thing you want is to lose a portion of the money you need for income due to market loss. By working with a financial professional, you can learn how to turn a portion of your savings into an income stream for life and income for the life of your spouse if you're married. We all have moments in our lives when we wish we had taken action sooner. Don't let procrastination rain on your retirement parade. Act now before it's too late. Please call our office to set up your no-cost, no-obligation retirement income review today. Hello and welcome back to Money Matters. I'm Sarah Peterson here with Dean and Dylan Greenberg of Greenberg Financial Group. And we're talking about what, where you guys got started and how Greenberg Financial Group is different than a lot of other financial groups. Yeah, but I, I told everybody we were going to talk about you want to talk about father-son dynamics? Well, I mean, because it's important. I, I, I mean, before Dylan came to me, I, I spoke to a lot of friends that had their sons working for him, and it's not been great. Some has, and they've kind of worked into it. The biggest dynamic that we had is it took a while for Dylan to get over the fact that people thought he was being handed something. I've never handed my kids anything. I wasn't handed anything. I don't hand them everything. Now, except opportunity. He felt like, well, you know, people are like, you know, oh, you're lucky you're going into this and doing into that. And then I sat him down and I said, Dylan, you're the one with all the pressure. I had no pressure. I had $5,000 when I was 31 years old. I started my company only because I got fired from Atlanta for sticking up for a client. Okay. I had no, nobody knew me. Nobody knew anything. I wasn't, I, there was nothing built up that I can fail at. I could just fail and move on. Nobody cared. I said, we've built a very, very successful business. It turns over to you over time and the people that you want to be working with. Now the onus is on you to make this work. Failure now is much bigger for you than it was ever for me if it happens. I don't believe it would happen because I wouldn't put you in that position. But that's where the pressure is. Don't listen to the haters. There's always going to be haters. Every time you go up the ladder, there are haters. 
but just be who yourself and be able to look in the mirror and know I give back. I treat people well. I do the things that make me happy, and it's not about me, it's about others. I said, when you do that and you become a community person and you care about your clients and you build a business, that's what you are. So that has switched around to where he realizes, hmm, that's where the pressure, he's right. It's the, the pressure of making this keep working other than just starting. Another we'll interesting dynamic, though, that I think it offers is I imagine that people in the younger generations, because we have been talking about how important it is to start your financial plan at a younger age. It's not just planning for retirement. It's that long road that you need to take to get there. And so I imagine younger people have um, an ability to relate to you, too, and you can sort of explain things. And it, it's a different world. It's a different language. We were talking earlier about social media. That has changed the culture so much. Actually, I do get excellent financial information on social media as well. It's, it's another avenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the big thing for my generation is social media. There are good things about social media yeah. in that sense, and it opens their mind about retirement and everything. It's showing that it isn't as far away as they think. It is something they should start thinking about now. Mm -hmm. Because before social media, they just thought, nah, I don't need to worry about it. I'll deal with it when I'm in my 40s and have a family. But now people are thinking they're in their 20s, like, I want to have something set up before I have a family. So I'm not scrambling, making ends meet when I have a family. We're already set up and have something going for us. Well, and as you were saying in, in another show, we may not have Social Security anymore. I mean, this your generation has to worry about a whole host of different problems. So planning early is even more important. Yeah, our big thing for that is we want younger people to create their own pension for themselves. And they do that by starting early and building a habit on saving for their retirement on whatever vehicle, whatever they can do. They've got to do it starting early, and they'll have a better pension that they built for themselves, by themselves, when they retire. Are you seeing a rise of entrepreneurship, you know, in, in younger generations wanting to create their own businesses, not sort of like you were saying, following along with Definitely the, the mindset. And I've had some younger people come to us to talk to us about how you're successful in business. But those that don't, a lot of them fail because they don't know. You know, I just didn't go into this on myself. I started talking to people that had experience. The one thing that has made me successful, I have an open mind. And then I get what I want, and then I formulate what I want to do. I'm not afraid to do some things outside the box, like managing money for a fee in 1988. But young people have also helped me with technology and, how to, and processes and things that they want to do. And I always said, as I've gotten older, if I don't listen to my employees, if I don't listen to the young people and be able to change and do some things, then I might as well retire. I might as well just sell and get out. I don't want to do that. So I have to be open-minded. A lot of people get older and they don't want to listen. They know it all. I don't know it all. I never have known it all. And in our business, you'll get so humbled if you think you know it all. But creating and building like these financial plan things, we never did this 20 years ago because all it was was selling insurance. Now it's actually helping people, you know, and, and, and what's really cool about Dylan and I, we get along very well. We argue, we fight, we do like what everybody else does. But now we're moving on and he, you know, I coached them my whole life and I coached my other son his whole life and we went to championships and then he went on and played football at Kentucky and now he's back. And now for the first time, what we're going to get to do is coach football together. You know, this, uh, we're taking over this other high school, and a, a guy that I used to coach who lived with us when he was in high school is now the head coach there, and he asked us to help him, and we're excited about doing that. And that's how I've always given back. I, like my wife has always told me, what I was born to do was to keep changing lives of kids. I can't change a lot of them, but I do change some kids. 
And in fact, one of the kids uh, that I coached for four years in, uh, at Mountain View High School is now working for us. And, and he came and he showed me this, uh, this video that on senior night, I said that he's the one kid that I've ever coached that one day he's going to come work for me. And that was six, seven years ago. I had no idea. I don't remember it, of course, as you get older. But it's very cool. And he did all the things he said he was going to do. And he's become a big asset. And him and Dylan get along great. And that's that young generation that's going to keep propelling Greenberg Financial Group. Yeah, and I think that's why the culture we have at Greenberg Financial is the culture we have is because of you've been coaching for 20 years. I've been playing sports my entire life. It's the idea of the team aspect. And, it's, and we're just not, we're linemen. We're all linemen in Offensive linemen in football, as you might be able to see, is the idea. But as an offensive lineman, you can't be selfish as an offensive lineman. You have to work. All five guys have to work together in unison to make it work. If one guy's off, then you're not, the play's going to be dead. And that, we kind of transferred that from football over to the business world. And that's why the way we work at Greenberg Financial is just it, it meshes so well because we're all just open and on the same page and just trying to make Greenberg Financial go forward rather than this person go forward. I love what you forward. said before also about sort of taking the intimidation factor off the table because, you know, making things understandable to people and making it relatable makes you understand that you are worthy of this conversation. No matter what your financial situation is, how far down this path you already are, you're worthy of this conversation. And that is what people need and to do. And think about what them. we do. We, the financial plan, the estate plan, all that stuff's so easy for us. We're game planning every week for a game, every week. We just put, and that's our business. So our business life, our work life, our fun life, it's all the same. And that's why we're so good at what we do, because you have to look at what's out there and you've got to make the right decisions in order to be, I know you can't say winner anymore because everyone just hates all winners, but we are winners. I love a winner. I'm not, I'm not a hater. <laughs> that number again is 844-544-4909. We have a QR code on the screen. You can scan that with your smartphone. We'll take a quick commercial break. We'll come back and learn more about Greenberg Financial Group and how they can help you plan for your perfect retirement. We'll see you soon. Hello and welcome back to Money Matters. I'm Sarah Peterson here with Dean and Dylan Greenberg of Greenberg Financial Group. And we're learning more about this process that is, it's really unique to you guys, the way that you work as a team, your coaching philosophy, you, your education, your radio shows, you really are putting out there the word that this is not an intimidating process. This is something that everybody should be doing to uh, strengthen their financial situation, to learn if they're on the right path to where they want to be. Remember, it's not just us. We have eight other people with us, uh, you know, support groups, other, other advisors working as a team, you know, and I took all commissions off the table. And everyone's based on getting a salary, plus how we do as a firm, which is bonuses. And if you do that, it's amazing how you don't have to tell people that, you know, how many days off they have. They want to work. They want to hit goals. And I know it's a different philosophy, but it's the only people that want working for me. And that's who you want working for you. It's somebody that's going to sit with you and meet your goals whatever they are. And when they're not meeting their goals, what adjustments do we make? It's no different than in a football game. Halftime, you're not winning. What do you do? You make adjustments. That's what we do. Well, and, and as we talked before about the importance of this plan, I really would love for you to get a little bit into what exactly is. And we keep talking about yeah. a plan. I mean, you could ask me if I have a plan. I'll tell you what it is. This is not the type of plan we're talking about. Oh, I know about. what your plan is. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, so the nuts and bolts of this plan, the financial plan that we keep talking about, and we always try and tie it back into it because we find it so valuable and so important to create your plan. And we want you to do it as early as possible, but it's obviously never too late either. And what it is, it takes in, it's a program we have, and it takes in 
to account your expenses, your income, your spouse's income, and then it's your combined expenses. And then it takes into account your life insurance, your social security, which it also has a social security optimization tool where we can find the best time for you to take it. It takes into account your investments. Do you have any rental homes? Do you have your primary home? Do you plan on selling that primary home during retirement to fund any goals or not? And it takes into account all of that. And then the last thing we do is the Monte Carlo simulation, which is a thousand different scenarios, different returns of your plan immediately. And it'll show you which ones are gonna happen, which one's not. And if you are 80% or better in that, if 800 of those plans work, then you're most likely gonna be successful with your retirement plan throughout the rest of your life. And then if not, if for some reason it's at 50%, we try and figure out where can we kind of tweak it to figure out how to make it 80% plus, because we wanna figure out how to get you successful during retirement so you can live the life you want you might just have to budget that a little more. That being said, the earlier you start, the, the more likely that you can get it to where you want it to be. Exactly. And, I mean, if you start really early, if you start in your 30s, it's obviously going to change a lot throughout your life. If you have no kids in your 30s, you just got married and you're like, okay, we need to do a plan now. It's going to look a lot different probably in 10 years when you're 40. So that's why we suggest you update it once a year at least or any major life events. Maybe you had a relative that died that left you a lot of money. Now you don't know what to do with all of a sudden you came into a half a million dollars that you never had before. You don't know what to do with it. So you, we add that to the plan. We figure out ways to kind of do that. Or you have a kid. All of a sudden, you have maybe you have twins, and you're like, you got to figure out a different budget. <laughs> then you got to start saving for colleges already and everything like that. And that's why it's easy to update. It's easy to keep current, but it has to be on you as well, the client. They have to want to do it as well. It can't just be on us because we don't know exactly what's going on. Well, the only life. thing constant is change, and I can guarantee you that since 2020, every single person watching this show has experienced some type of significant change. And if you haven't you know, had these conversations or you haven't heard from your financial advisor since prior to that, that's a big red flag because these things need to be updated and reflecting all of this change that has mm -hmm. come. And here's the other thing too, as you're going into retirement, right? It's just like the markets, okay? You know, when things are great and you're healthy, that's the time to plan for when you're not healthy. You don't plan for when you're not, when you're not healthy to do something. Plan now, do you need long-term care? It's like we've talked about on some previous shows. There's products out there now that you do not, if you don't use the long-term care, the money doesn't get wasted on premiums. You're not going to make a lot of off of it, but at least you can get that money back. And that's something that we have been talking to a lot of people about and they like doing because, oh, I like that. I'm going to plan for it, but hopefully nothing happens and I don't need to go into long-term care. And, okay, so that money's there to pass on to my spouse mm -hmm. or, you know, whoever. Yeah, we find it a lot more valuable, these new products that are out there with that, because the traditional long-term care, you just, it's insurance. You just pay it away, and if you never use it, you never use it. But at least this way, your heirs could maybe receive the money if you never end up using it. Well, and I love that you were talking about how you, you think that the way the financial landscape is changing for the better in terms of there are so many more vehicles available to us if we have somebody who knows. Well, they're available to us, and they're also more beneficial to us. It used to be you give the annuity company $100,000, you never see it again. They'll pay you an income stream forever. But now you have a product where you could get an income. It's an income rider. You can have that on your $100,000 if you want. If not, you don't have to. But that money, that $100,000, is still yours. If there's any left when you die, say you do do the income rider and there's any left when you die, those go to your heirs. It just doesn't go automatically to the annuity company. So they're being a lot more friendly now than they, the traditional annuity 
that people have a really big stigma about back in the day. I'll tell you something that we touched on earlier that I think is really important is that, you know, with the advent of social media and all of these other avenues, people are getting their information. Yeah, but think about this. Getting the right information. It's, it's, okay, a lot of people say, I'm going to do it yourself. Well, if you don't know what you're doing and you do it yourself, what do you end up with? I do it yourself that you don't know what you're doing. I don't even understand that concept. I'm going to go okay. to the doctor if I have a problem. I'm not going to try to right. self-diagnose it. They, they, you know, obviously, you've got to know what the fees are for doing it. Okay, a, a, a fair fee is somewhere between one percent and one and a quarter percent, or one and a half, depending on how much money's in there. But if it's a lot more than that, go, go negotiate. If you got a lot more money in there, negotiate down and everything. Everything's negotiable. But what I'm saying is, people think they can do it themselves, and then when they do it themselves, you know when they come see us? When it's not working. Don't come see us when it's not working. We'll fix that. Come see us when it is working, so we can help you before it's not working. No, no, I was just going to say, we're there to help you before it's too late. That's all I was going to add. That's a good well, one. you know what? That's what? But I love the fact that it's never really too late and it's never too early. I mean, they're watching this show. They're thinking, I haven't had these conversations before. I don't know the answers to a lot of these questions. And you can't give them the answers because you don't know their individual specific financial situation. You know, your financial situation is going to be a lot different than mine. I have four kids. And like, as you were saying, I'm just thinking, okay, we did our estate plan before we got married. It changed after one kid, two kids, three kids, four kids. Of course. It changes exactly. a lot throughout life. And here's the one thing. If people, you hear about getting second opinions and things like that to get a financial plan. I think it's great. But make sure that if you're going to go do this free complimentary financial plan, that if you don't do business with them, you still get the plan. I refuse not to give the plan. We finish the plan, 30, 40, whatever it is, we email it to you in a PDF so you have it. Whether you do business with us or not, you're getting it. I tell you it's free. I tell you you're getting it. My word is my word, and it's going to happen. Okay? And you also get all our recommendations. To me, it's a, it's a complimentary conversation. There's coffee, and now I know there's bagels, which I think we should have started with that. Sometimes, not every time. <laughs> and this is what you get. I mean, what you see is what you get with you guys, which I love. Uh, this We take all the intimidation off the table and get a really personalized education on where we're at. To me, it's invaluable because it's peace of mind. Hello and welcome back to Money Matters. I'm Sarah Peterson here with Dean and Dylan Greenberg of Greenberg Financial Group. And we're talking about the big T word, taxes, and the mistakes that we sometimes make, we don't, you know, unknowingly, that could be avoided. Everyone wants, nobody wants to pay taxes. They all want to pay the lowest amount of taxes possible. One of the biggest things that people do wrong <clears throat> is if they need money, they take it out of their retirement accounts. Because, oh, I've been saving, it's in there and don't realize that can put them into the next tax bracket. Last December, I had somebody that come, came in and they wanted to take X amount of money out of their, their 401k plan. They weren't even at the RMD, re required minimum distribution. They just wanted to, to pay for some bills and stuff without any consideration of how much they would pay in the taxes on it. The amount they wanted to go up wasn't going to go up only one tax level, it's gonna, it was going to go up two tax levels. So we sat down with them and looked at it and saw, did a plan and realized this is where you're at. Why don't you just go and take this bunch out so you don't have to pay that extra taxes other than what you're paying right now. And then in January, we'll take out some more money to be able to offset that. And then we worked some other things. So we only went up one tax bracket without, uh, never, didn't have to go up to any tax bracket the first year and only went up one tax bracket the next year. 
he needed the money, so he had to do it, but he had a plan for that. And most people don't even think about that until they get their tax bill at the end. And uh, the other thing that you have to do is come like October, November, December, you have to look at your portfolio, do an analysis on it, and figure out how to go ahead and take your losses against your gains if you have any. Sometimes you don't, sometimes you have a lot. And remember, if you take your losses now because the markets are down, those losses will carry forward for you against other gains you have in other years. And with that, that's in taxable brokerage accounts. That doesn't necessarily have to deal with IRAs or anything like that. So much of it is timing like everything in life, right? I mean, it's the same dollar amount, the same pool, but how and when you pull it, it makes such a big difference in Absolutely. the tax picture. Yep, and you, I mean, and then there's also, like he was saying, at the end of the year, you want to try and look if you have any losses or gains to offset the capital gains that you might have to pay throughout the year. What you can do also, say you have, you're in a great company, you have the stock, and, or in your, say you're in an ETF, which is an exchange-traded fund, it's a little more diversified, but you're in the SPY, which follows the S&P 500. And towards the end of the year, you're down, but you have gains in other things, so you want to look to try and offset those. You can sell the SPY, and then you can buy another ETF that follows the S&P 500, like BOO, or, yeah. yeah, like that, which is the same idea, but a different company, so you can buy it. And then 30 days later, you can sell that VOO if you want, or, and buy back the SPY without any, ha anything happening. It's called the wash sale. You don't want to do it before 30 days, and that's a big issue that comes into play with taxes at the end of the year for capital gains. So say you sell the SPY um, on December 31st, and then you buy back January 1st, that's considered a wash sale, so you won't be able to take those losses that you sold on December 31st. You have to wait 30 days to rebuy it. And that's a big thing in the tax world. It's all about planning. Whether you're doing portfolio planning, whether you're doing tax planning, whether you're doing financial planning, whether you're doing retirement planning, at the end of the day, you have to have a plan. And don't be afraid of the plan. Well, what about people who really are reliant on Social Security? Well, that's the other thing that taxes will affect, okay? So if you, uh, not, uh, uh, well, income affects it. You know, if you, you're looking at taking out Social Security before your retirement, full retirement age, which right now is 60, almost 67, 66 and a half to 67, what are you going to do? You're going to affect your Social Security, all right? So you're going to get penalized if you make over, I think it's 19000 or $17,000. So why would you take out your Social Security before that pay taxes and pay the penalty. There's no doubt once you re reach full retirement and you start taking out and you're working, you're going to probably make more than 17, 19. Otherwise, what's going to happen and what, 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 what will work is you'll pay taxes, but you're not going to pay the penalty. So we also try to figure out when is the best time to take your Social Security because not everybody should take it beforehand. Not everybody should wait to 70 some, to take it uh, at full retirement age. There's, and that's probably going to go up also over time, but it affects your tax bracket. So if you're working towards get, taking your Social Security and you're working towards putting money into tax-deferred investments that will offset the income you're going to get from Social Security, you're not going to have to pay taxes on Social Security. And that's where we can help. We have part of our financial plan, there's a Social Security optimizer that can show you where the optimized time is to take it. Not necessarily based, it's just, and that's based off numbers. Obviously, there's more things that come into play. Do you have longevity in your family? Do, are you never going to work again? Maybe you do just want to take it at 62. But we have the idea of the numbers. It'll give you the optimized time to take it. Because there also, I'm sure, are a number of people who tell you, I'm ready to retire, and then they do, and then a year later, they're like, I'm not ready to retire. Exactly, and we do have that conversation a lot. They say they're 60, they're like, I want to retire in two years. Right now, I never want to work again. But they're like, I don't know, maybe if I'm 65, I'll be bored and I want to work. And so we tell them, just remember, if you decide to take Social Security at 62, 
you'll be taking it and you go back to work at 65, you make over 20 grand, you're going to be taxed $1 for every $2 you make. And that's what my dad right, was talking about. Because once you start taking it, you can't stop taking it. It's interesting you say that. We, when we sit down with people and they're thinking about retirement, especially earlier retirement, I make them think about what it's going to be like. Picture yourself. What are you? Are you going to be happy waking up and later in the day and doing nothing? Are you going to be happy because you like to play golf and now you're going to play golf with your buddies three or four days a week? Is that really what you want to do? And I make them think about it because it sounds great, but what most of those people that retire like that, you know what it is? They worked so much in a corporation that they didn't like to get the pension. Or they work for the government, and they hated it the whole life. They, they complain and complain and complain about their job. But once they get close, they said, don't you quit. Your pension's way too good for you. You put up with this. Then they quit, and then they go, now what am I supposed to do? Because if you're not happy all those 20 or 30 years working for something, what's going to make you happy doing nothing? Have a plan of what you want to do. Otherwise, you're going to be an unhappy retired person. Yeah, we do work with a lot of federal employees getting ready to retire, and they are like that. They just said, I've worked for the government for 20, 30, even 40 years. And they say, I'm done. I don't want to work again. But they don't want to work for the government. They're like, I'm, I could do something else. Mm -hmm. They work for the pension, which is a nice pension they'll get, but they want to go do something that they actually want to do now in retirement. 100%. The best is the military, the police force, the fire departments. You work 20 years, you get your pension, and then you can go do another job. Border Especially patrol military, too. border patrol. Border patrol down in Arizona. You know, that way yeah. you only have to put up 20 years. It's so much of what you do is really, we talked about it, you know, on previous shows, but you are kind of a financial therapist because some of it is, is very emotional. It's, it's a big decision and there are a lot of things that go into play. Uh, so having that financial plan is just so, so important. I know that all of these questions I could not answer on my own. If you go to the Social Security website, it is overwhelming. So having somebody who can walk me through and tell me, am I on the right path? That is invaluable. And this is complimentary. So. It's a win-win. 844-544-4909, and that nifty little QR code is at the bottom of the screen. We'll take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about how to mitigate tax disasters in planning for your perfect retirement. Hope to see you soon. Hello, and welcome back to Money Matters. I'm Sarah Peterson here with Dean and Dylan Greenberg of Greenberg Financial Group. We're talking taxes today, and there's a lot to wrap our heads around because there are a lot of mistakes we make unknowingly that could be avoided if we had a written financial plan. It's simple. Pay too much in taxes. Haven't planned to go ahead and reduce your taxes. Invest properly so you, 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 you at least your investments aren't paying taxes along with your income. There's so many things. Tax deferment is great to do while you're working. And there's a lot of products for that. Well, you talk sometimes about the Roth IRA, and I think I'm sure the fear that people have there is, you know, oh, I have to pay all the taxes now. But now is a good time because we know where taxes are going. And so maybe now a good time to take advantage of where we're at. If it doesn't put you in top tax brackets, mm -hmm. you got to be careful. And the only way you can do that is by checking that. And it's also if the markets are too high and, 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 you've, and you've, your wealth has grown, it's hard to do it then also. Because if you're doing it that time, you're doing it high, now you move it in, and then it goes down, and you don't get the, and, and you're in the same position. You'd rather do it when the markets are lower. You take losses in one, you go back and buy other things at a lower price. That's actually why we've been seeing a lot of clients wanting to do the Roth conversion in the last year and a half now, because they, are, they do want to take advantage of it. Because they don't have a crystal ball, but they too believe that the taxes it, are It's good. just common sense. Do you want to buy low or buy high? You want to sell high, pay the taxes, and then go into something, and then you take it out at a lower price. No, you want to go ahead and sell, pay the taxes on less money for that to grow back up to where it was 
Well, you're seeing all kinds of scenarios every day. I'm sure every one of your clients has a, a unique and different situation. What are some of the mistakes you're seeing people come to you making that, that could have been avoided or helping them avoid? One that I've actually seen recently with when they were filing their taxes is they kind of thought they waited too long. He was thinking about, he has his own business, so he was thinking about opening a SEP IRA, and then he was putting it off, putting it off, and then he got his tax bill. And he said, oh, man, I got to get something going. So now he had to file for the extension, push everything off again so he could get the SEP open and then try and just mitigate his taxes any way he could. But he's scrambling, and he's just waiting so long. And luckily, he came to us a couple weeks prior, so then he was, we already talked about it. He just didn't pull the trigger. But it's the, scramb it's the idea of scrambling, because then you're kind of just desperate at that point to try and find something. So in the idea of planning, you want to do it early, and you want to do it often. And that's what we see a lot is it's people trying to wait to the last second. It's procrastination is what really gets Human you nature amazing. is the procrastination. Yes. Yep. Well, people would rather, if you want to sit down and talk to me about retirement, what are the first things I want to talk about? Yeah, I'd love to go to Europe, and you know, there's this you know, one country I haven't seen yet, and this and that. I'm not wanting to talk about all the things that I know but that I need to talk about. But that's where we start. That's where we start. Those are your wants. We want to know what you want. Then we'll figure out what you need. Then we can figure out what you can afford. Okay. You know, you work backwards. Why would you want to work from the front and say, oh, no, you can't do that? You want to work from the top. Give me everything you want to do. I have news for you. A lot of people are frugal. They don't want. They, 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 you know, they, they don't want to go to Europe. They don't want to do that stuff. They, they want to enjoy their life. They want to live within their means. I love when people come in and say, you know what? I want a plan that allows me to live stress-free. Okay? That's easy. We'll put that together. If they want to do it now, they they they, they and the stress-free means ten thousand a month, and they only are getting five thousand a month. Then we just put a lot of stress on them. But then we figure out how we can get to that point, or at least meet in the middle. I would say more often than not, we're trying to show them that they can spend more money during retirement than they plan, because they do live frugal and they did save and they did the right things. And we show them they're like, you can go spend more money, go take an extra trip a year, or go see grandkids or something like that. And they get really happy about that because they didn't think they could. Working with us as financial advisors plan I mean if you think about it we're financial advisors we're financial planners we're portfolio managers all right so working with us and your accountant on doing the tax situation is great because we want to figure out on the investment side how much you got to save the accountant says hey if you can cut your, your your income down to this much or your investments down to this much and do this then we can pay less taxes we can do that so it's not, just, it's not just us because accountants have to come into play, too. At the end of the day, they have to look at the portfolio and say, yeah, if you can come to this tax bracket, that. We'll do the analysis of how to get there. They, they talk about what levels that they're at. Hello and welcome to Money Matters. I'm Sarah Peterson here with Dean and Dylan Greenberg of Greenberg Financial Group. How are you today? Glad to be back. Every week it's a wonderful thing to see you, Sarah. I love it. You're always bright and shining and ready to talk about money. Okay, today we're going to talk about the topic that everybody loves, taxes. Right? Isn't, doesn't well, we just got taxes? through paying taxes, right, <laughs> or, or being on extension. Uh, taxes affect everything. You got inflation, you got taxes, and it just doesn't seem to go away. What I'm always amazed about is that people are very focused on tax preparation, which is history, which is, you know, you work with your CPA and we have to do our taxes and that's our, you know, rights as, as American citizens. But not a lot of people are uh, planning for their taxes and they realize there are efficiencies that can be made. There are, and there's just a lot of different avenues you can take on how to try to mitigate your taxes if it's for the year, whether it's 
contributing to a deductible plan like an IRA or SEP IRA or something like that, or if you're already approaching retirement, there's other ways to do it too, like a Roth conversion, where you might have to pay some taxes today, and a Roth conversion is taking the money from your traditional IRA and putting it into a Roth IRA. So you will have to pay taxes on it during the transition, but the nice thing that people like to do, especially as they're retiring, is you'll never have to pay taxes on it again once it's in the Roth IRA. So that's become very popular in the last couple of years because taxes are historically pretty low. And obviously we don't know where they're gonna be in 20 years with all this increasing debt and all this money that's being spent by the government. You're thinking that one administration will increase taxes. So if you're in your Roth IRA, you won't have to ever worry about that again. It's interesting because people complain about the tax rates now, which, you know, rightly so. But if you go back to the 80s and you realize where taxes were then, we're doing pretty good right now. So maybe you want to take advantage of this. Well, taxes are going to go up eventually. They're going to have to go up. There's no way we're going to be able to pay for Social Security if they don't go up. You can push out the age so long to just basically say, and listen, you're not going to live that long, so you might as well not have Social Security. Um, and we're in, a, we're in a scenario that eventually kicking down the can is going to create a problem. We've been kicking the can down the road for a long time with Social Security, Medicare, health care, and taxes. Nobody wants to pay more in taxes. The states that pay more in taxes basically get bankrupt. I mean, look at California. They keep increasing their taxes. Then they get a surplus last year of $22 billion, and now they're back in a deficit again. You cannot collect enough taxes if you don't stop your spending. And we're not stopping spending on the, on the, on the uh, administration side, on the Congress side. And so what do we do? We're going to have to eventually bite the bullet, and everyone's going to have to pay for more in taxes. You could say all day long, I'm only going to tax the rich. The rich is going to go down and down and down on how much, but what they don't realize, yeah, I'm going to tax the billionaires. You and I both know what's going to happen. They'll hire somebody. They'll go ahead and get through the tax loops, and they won't pay any taxes. They'll be in real estate. They'll get step up. Until Congress changes the law, people like you and me that work hard and get W-2s, get 1099, we're going to pay more. So let's talk about it, though, because it is what it is. Those are things, you know, we talk about things we can control and not. But what we can control is how we use our efficiencies, right? So it's not just how much money we have, but it's how and when we use it and where we put it, different well, buckets. Right. You want to put it in tax-deferred, tax-free, things that push back your taxes now and be able to, be able to when you get, take, need that money, you'll be paying less taxes. So a lot of people, you know, they, don't, they, they want that money to be liquid. I get that. The problem is the liquidity of that money means you're paying the taxes on the investment each time. But one thing you can do is buy, if you're buying stocks or you're buying things, Wait for long-term gains. They're 20% versus 35 40%, depending what tax bracket you're in. That helps a lot. Uh, the, you know, annuities, you don't, you, they're tax-deferred. Just push it out. Life insurance products, you can set it up so where at the end you're taking tax-free money out to you. And, and, and then always putting money into your retirement accounts, Roth accounts if you can. Obviously, there's limits. But when you stop working and you're not getting it, you can always stop moving when your tax bracket is lower because you're not the income. As Dylan said earlier, I've just put money into your Roth, uh, do a Roth conversion, especially when the markets are down. So then when the markets come back up and you get that appreciation, you're not going to pay taxes on it. Yeah, there's, no, there's always a, something out there, no matter your income level, to try and mitigate your taxes. 
something what about people who have gone through major life changes? I mean, in the past couple of years, lost a spouse, perhaps, and that does change. I mean, we talked about another show. People think, oh, now there's only one of me, so it'll be less expensive. But a lot of times, that changes your tax bracket. You don't get all the efficiencies you had. Exactly. And that's why you need to do the plan. Find out what you are. We work with our, our accountants. We work with our estate planning. What is the best way to set this up? And it's not just taxes when you're alive. It's taxes when you're passing on your money to your heirs. If you don't have an estate plan, I'm figuring out how to do that. Like right now, it's $12 million, right? That's going down in, 20, I think, 2027 or 28 if we don't change that. Gifting? Yeah, well, not gifting. It's estate. The oh, estate taxes. Okay. You know, and right now a lot of people are under that. But if we go back to the two million or three million or five million or whatever they want to change it to, that's going to affect a lot more families than the twelve million dollar level right now. And you know, with the state plan, is they can get that up, they can put put it on, they can do second to die, they can pass it on, and that's one of the reasons we brought on an estate planner in our in our in our practice. We think it's very very important as part of the financial plan to also have an estate plan. On that works, and then you work together to save on taxes the entire entire time. Yeah, we try and be, in a sense, Greenberg Financial is like a one-stop shop in the sense of we got estate planning now, we have an accountant that we work with, and then we manage the money. So then we're all in the know of your whole financial picture. It's not just one segment. We got the whole thing under one roof. Well, and I think it just brings us back to why we want to have this written plan, because there are so many moving parts to each individual puzzle. and my needs are different than yours and yours and so having you really do a deep dive into somebody's finances and figure out are you on the right path it's just so important and that written plan is the first step in when you're going to greenberg financial group that written financial plan well technically it's online but it's the first step on creating your whole financial picture with us and we work with you step by step for years we try and build a relationship we're not just trying to sell you a financial plan and then just never talk to you again it's actually free, it's complimentary, and that's, the first, that's why it's the first step, because then we want to build a relationship and have you as clients for 20 years, build a relationship, become friends and everything like that. Personally, if I were not on the right path to where I wanted to be, I would know, and information is power. So if you haven't had these types of conversation with your financial advisor, or perhaps you don't have one, and you're sort of you know, entering that retirement red zone, like we you know, call it, you want to give us a call and find out, are you on the right path? Because if you're not, let's get you there. The sun is shining, so let's do it now. That number is 844-544-4909. We'll take a quick commercial break. We'll come back and talk more about how to mitigate tax disasters and planning for retirement. Yeah, and that's a big factor into, into the financial plan because we don't want to put you going into, say, all equities. It's the most aggressive thing you can do if you can't stomach that. If you can't stomach volatility, we're not going to put you in the most aggressive thing. How many people actually know how much risk they're taking, though? You might ask me what my risk tolerance is and then look at what I'm actually doing. Uh, less than you think. Like, people usually don't, and that's why we offer another complimentary risk assessment tool, which is all part of the financial plan. And with that, we get a number based from 1 to 99, 99 being the most aggressive, 1 being pretty much cash, and everybody <laughs> falls around somewhere. I mean, if you're younger, you're usually 75 plus. You're older, it varies, because some, some older people really want to be aggressive. We can't necessarily let them be as aggressive as they want, mm -hmm. but they want to be. And then other people are on in 20s and 25s. And what that number does is help us build the initial portfolio allocation. Because we don't want, like I said, we don't want them to be too aggressive. We want to build a portfolio that makes them be able to sleep at night and comfortable with how they're allocated in the case of market volatility, uncertainty, black swan events, anything like that. 
and you also uh, enable people to live out their dreams, which to me, that's how I look at it because I'm seeing this as, hey, it's my blood, sweat, and tears that went into all this. Help me figure out the best way to maximize this so I can live the life I want. And we tell people that all the time. If we see a year where the market goes up, say 20%, 30%, and you're retired and you're thinking, oh, I've always wanted to do a two-month trip in Europe or something like that, take the money that you gained in that year and go spend it and have fun and live your life that you wanted to do because it might not come back. You're 75 years old, it might not happen, or you might not be able to go do it mm -hmm. another time. That's my mentoring on them, because they're like, That's oh, you gotta vest, you gotta vest. Once you get older, now they're understanding why people over 60 sometimes wanna pay off the house when you're older, why you wanna go ahead and take some money out of the market and not just keep letting it grow, because we know it doesn't last. Things idea. go up and down. Yeah, that's a big idea he drilled into us early on. Well, and I think, you know, also when you're in kind of midlife, your homes can a lot of times be your biggest investment. But as your kids grow older and you get older, you don't want as much, you know, space or as much, um, you know, debt on you. So you downsize and then that becomes a bigger investment for you. So, you know, we change a lot as we get to a retirement. And, and that's then, why we always suggest updating the plan at least once a year, because if you do downsize, you probably are going to come into a lot of cash out all of a sudden. It's going to be interesting after... My generation is sort of all where the money's going to come from because so many people have been inheriting money. These guys just spend money. They, they don't have the money. It's hard for most younger people to save today. Think about it. When you, well, you're not, well, you're getting there, but, <laughs> but houses, houses 20, 30 years ago were 100,000, 150,000. Not too long ago, they were 200. They're now 400, $500,000. The mortgage payment is so much higher than it was before. Look, the importance of a financial plan and starting young and having, you know, Dean on your team and Dylan on your team, you guys balance each other out so well to be able to start young and to know, hey, I, I'm in my 20s, 30s, doesn't matter. Right. Eventually, I know where I want to go and let's figure out, am I on the right road? And if not, let's get on it. We've got youth, we've got experience, and we have caring. That's Do you have coffee? Lot of and coffee. bagels. How could Greenberg not have bagels? with the bagels. <laughs> <laughs> of course he has bagels. That phone number is 844-544-4909. This is a complimentary portfolio analysis. Other advisors charge thousands of dollars for this. There's really no downside in you giving us a call. Find out if you're on the right road to retirement. If you're not, don't you want to know so you can get on it? And there's bagels, so it's a win-win <laughs> situation. Thank you both for joining us and always making me smile and laugh. And thank you for the education. And thank you for sitting with us on your road to retirement. And we hope you'll join us on the next show. See you soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.